really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. I am your host. My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, well, I would love to hear from you. I'm easy to find on all your socials, and you can always just drop me an email at the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. Well, it was very exciting this week. I did my usual polls for our you know, official games of the week, and I don't know exactly who it was, but someone retweeted the poll for the PWR and it blew up. It ended up getting, I mean, almost 10 times as many votes as the other polls. Uh, the women's game is obviously more popular than ever right now with good reason, frankly. And it was really gratifying to see a response like that. So if you were one of those voters, thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, it's been ages since I've directly appealed for support, but the timing just kind of seemed perfect this week. As regular listeners know, I decided not to pay to pay uh, to, to watch the Gallagher Premiership this season. And sadly, the PWR is on that same service. However, if I can convince just two more people to sign up to support the show, which is a very reasonable $4.99 a month, I'll turn around and use that money to subscribe to the PWR and the Prem, which will allow me to provide much better coverage. Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I kind of just want to check out the PWR. I, I can just feel the momentum building behind that league. And, of course, it's littered with USA Eagles as well. So if you've been considering signing up to be a monthly supporter, please do me a favor, make this the day you finally pull the trigger. And to those of you who've already been supporting the show, John, specifically, shout out to you as the absolute original. Really appreciate it, man. I can't wait to see you in Quincy in a few months. But to all of you, thanks so very much. And thanks for every, uh, to everybody for listening as well. It just, it does really mean a lot. So anyway, that is all the admin. There was a ton of action this weekend. So let's get to it. <laughs> Well, starting with our current updates, and it's been a while, but my band actually had a gig this weekend, and it was so great. So we've played this particular establishment, I guess it's four times at this point, and uh, it just it gets better every time. Um, funny side note, the, uh, the owner apparently Googled our band name and found an entirely different band with an identical name, and she just copied the info she found onto their calendar. Uh, we told her that she had us confused with someone else, but she either didn't read that email or simply didn't care enough to change it, so may have been some people there who were very confused by what they were watching and listening to. Anyway, the, the place is really more of a, a restaurant than a club, so we, we tend to do three sets and, you know, very much ramp them up from the very quiet acoustic numbers at the start to eventually what my bass player likes to call the full Voltron by the end. Uh, the people who are still there by the time we get to the heaviest bits, of course, are pretty well lubricated by that point, and they're either sort of dancing madly or like trying to grab the mic to sing along, which is a, a ton of fun, to be fair. Um, the cool thing was, though, I wore my Iroquois Roots rugby shirt and an older guy at the bar kind of spotted it from across the room. And during a break, he started talking to me about rugby. It turns out he's from Cork and he was kind of blown away by finding an American who knew anything about the game. He almost spoiled the result of Connacht versus Leinster, which I hadn't, of course, had a chance to see at that point, but did manage to forestall that. Um, the guy's a huge Mac Hansen fan and seemed impressed when I told him I would interviewed Bernard Jackman on this very show. Naturally, I told him all about the show. Uh, so, Jerry, short for Jeremiah, if you are listening, nice to meet you and welcome to the show. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! 
No, Eyes of the News was decidedly not good this week as the only Canadian franchise in MLR has closed its doors. It looks like it's going to be permanent as well. Quoting here from the CBC, quote, the Toronto Arrows, the lone Canadian entry in Major League Rugby, are closing shop. Major League Rugby said in a statement Monday night that the Arrows will cease operations effective immediately and not compete in the 2024 MLR season. The league said uh, it and the Arrows explored all avenues in an effort to maintain the club's presence in the league. Unfortunately, after exhausting all options, Toronto was left with no choice but to voluntary, uh, voluntarily withdraw from the league. Arrows co-founder Mike Winokur called it a very sad day. Quote, a lot of people put a lot of work into this. It's extremely disappointing, said Winokur, the team's former GM, who still has an ownership stake in the franchise. The Arrows, who joined the league in 2019, have endured tough times of late. The team finished last in the 12-team league at 1-13-2 after an injury-plagued 2023 season. Yeah, also, and after my free jacks took all their good players. Um, In August... The franchise was rocked by the death of Bill Webb, the club's president and general partner from prostate cancer. He was 59 years old. While Webb was the majority owner, there were still seven other co-owners. At the time, the club said Webb's family wanted the Arrows to continue and that the entire organization will work to honor that wish and continue Bill's indelible legacy. But that proved not to be possible. Despite extensive efforts carrying on following the passing of Bill Webb was simply too great a challenge for the club to overcome, Arrows GM Tim Matthews said in a statement. The team finished the season on a 13-game losing streak with its lone win coming March 11th, a 27-26 decision at the, uh, at the expansion at Chicago Hounds. Ravaged by injuries, the Arrows were missing 14 players in their season-ending 26-24 loss to the visiting Nola Gold on June 17th. Coach Peter Smith left the franchise in July. Australian Stephen Meehan was hired as Arrows coach in late October, with the club confirm, uh, continuing to make player signings. Players were informed of the decision to wind up the franchise in a call with the team on Monday. Unquote. This is terrible news for the players and the staff, obviously, and terrible news for the MLR on the whole. But I also wanted to give a shout out to my friend James, who has been a tireless supporter of this team while producing incredible content for the league as a whole. James, uh, who is, of course, at Jam Delay on the dumpster fire known as, well, whatever they're calling it, uh, moved to Toronto from England. And in the last year or so, he's seen the team he supported back home, the London Irish, fold. The rugby league team he followed, the Wolfpack fold, if I have that right. And now his beloved team in the MLR. I mean, triple gut punch. How rotten is that? James, so sorry this is how it's gone. Thank you for keeping on with all the great stats and content you share with us. And if you decide to come down for a Free Jacks game again sometime this year, I will be buying you three beers for the three teams that you've lost. So sorry, my friend. So moving on to our thoughts of the week, and my thoughts this week are actually with Owen Farrell, the England captain who shocked the rugby world by announcing a hiatus from test-level rugby to concentrate on his and his family's mental health. According uh, to The Guardian, quote, Owen Farrell will miss the Six Nations next year after deciding to take a break from international rugby in order to prioritize his and his family's mental well-being. Farrell, who captained England to a third-place finish at the recent World Cup, has not put a time frame on his international absence, but will continue to lead his club Saracens in the interim. In a bombshell announcement, Farrell's decision to make himself unavailable for England leaves Steve Borthwick needing a new captain for next year's Six Nations and possibly longer. With Courtney Laws retired from international rugby, Ellis Genge is a favorite for the role, while George Ford is the leading contender to assume the number 10 jersey. Farrell's decision comes after he eclipsed Johnny Wilkinson as England's top point scorer and reached 112 caps during the World Cup, but... Criticism that has dogged the 32-year-old throughout his career continued in France, and he was loudly booed before matches at the tournament. 
Borthwick, who also sprang to the defense of his captain at the time, said on Wednesday, everyone at England Rugby is fully behind Owen's decision. Since making his debut, he's been an integral part of the England setup for over a decade, and the demands on elite athletes are extremely challenging. He's an exemplary player, captain, and leader, and always gives his all for his country. It is with typical courage that Owen has made this decision to open up in this manner. Together with all of us at England Rugby, I will do everything I can to ensure that he has the support he requires going forward, unquote. So, as everyone listening will know, I have spent a fair amount of time making snide comments about Owen Farrell and his proclivity to tackle people in unsafe ways. But I'm also a human, and I really respect this decision. Recently, I highlighted him as the form fly half of the World Cup. I And even though it pains me, I've talked about the incredible tear he's been on. I mean, he's simply got to be top two or three in the entire world of that position now, right? The big thing for me, though, mental health is everything. There's just nothing else as important as that. And I, I do think it's true. He's gotten a lot of stick online. I certainly can't imagine being as famous as he is and being on the receiving end of all that vitriol and uh, taking some time to step away from that seething cauldron of judgment Seems like a really positive and wise thing to do. So, Owen Farrell, good for you. I, I hope you feel in a better place sometime soon. Not too soon, mind you, because uh, England are definitely going to be worse without you. And if I pretended that I didn't love that, I would be lying. Okay, it's time, as always, for our weekend reviews. And starting with the top 14, the early Saturday game, uh, that one was Toulon versus Poe. Toulon were not messing around, taking down their guests easily, 36-13 to 13 in that one. The middle foursome on Saturday began with Bayonne versus Montpellier, where the home team again showed no quarter. A similar scoreline as well, 34-19 to 19 in that one. Cast versus Lyon, that was next. That made it three in a row for the hosts, 29-14. to 14. La Rochelle were back at home to take on stumbling, bumbling Perpignan, and it was another poor showing for the visiting side. La Rochelle smashing them 35 to 6. So to close out the midday schedule, Oyana faced my border Begla, and uh, it was a close one for a change. But in the end, my guys posted the first road win of the weekend, coming away with a nice 23 to 29 result away from home. So the late game on Saturday was Claremont versus Rassing. I was really excited for this one. I, I'm not even sure why. It just kind of tickled my fancy, I suppose. Well, you all apparently agreed with me because you voted for this match to be your game of the week, and we can all take a moment to pat ourselves on the back because it was definitely a fun one. More importantly, it added a bit of drama to the battle for the top spot in the competition. So quoting here from, from Barons for some reason. I, I don't even know what Barons is supposed to be. Isn't it like a magazine or something? Anyway, quote, Winger Donovan Taofifanua, his late bonus point claiming try, sent Racing 92 back to the summit of the French top 14, despite Saturday's 23-18 loss at Clermont. Uh, Taofifanua, he crossed in the 78th minute to bump Racing one point above Toulon, who beat Poe 36-16 earlier in the day to originally grab top spot. Tonga center George Moala and uh, and Argentina winger Bautista Delgai? Delgui? Uh, scored for the hosts in central France as Claremont secured their fourth win from nine games this season. The unlikely bonus point gives Sia Khaleesi's Racing a further boost before starting their Champions Cup campaign against Harlequins next Saturday, spoiler alert, uh, having rested the two-time Rugby World, uh, World Cup winning captain for the Claremont trip. Quote, we fought until the last minute to take something from the uh, from this away game. Racing back rower Ibrahim Diallo told reporters, we're frustrated, of course, with this defeat, but the bonus point allows us to stay top and keep our good energy going, unquote. Great stuff. So, Sunday brought us another cracker. It was Stade Francais back home at the drink box taking on Toulouse. 
And I don't know if you caught it, but there, there was a whiff of scandal in the days leading up to this clash. Apparently, eight players and two so-called supervisors defied the curfew last weekend after the heavy defeat in Poe. Um, the story goes that one of the players ended up punching a video analyst for Poe, and they said for no real reason, uh, which cracked me up because it's like, well, if he had a reason, that would have been fine. Um, anyway, I guess the coach called a big team meeting and sort of hashed things out, and whatever he said, it, it seemed to work as they looked very strong, handing to lose a 27-12 to defeat. They wore their throwback kit as well, which is an absolute thing of beauty. If, if you missed it, it's just classic. You know, I feel like there's two types of great uniforms. So this, the ones you see and you immediately think, ooh, I want to buy one of those jerseys and just wear it all the time. Then there's the ones where you think, ooh, that looks really good on the body of a professional athlete while they're actually currently playing a game. <laughs> this one definitely lands in the second category, but it's a beaut nonetheless. So in any event, that was round nine. The top 14 is really tight right now with the top five teams all sitting on six wins and the next three on five wins each. Wow. Meanwhile, over in jolly old England, the Premiership managed to keep the lights on for another week. Good for them. And it all kicked off on Friday with my Harlequins home for sale, a battle of the league's top two teams. But this one was never a contest. Quinn's spearing the Sharks by a factor of 12, 36 to three. What on earth happened there? Uh, one of the host's five tries was from Danny Kerr, which was a nice way to celebrate his 360th birthday this weekend as well. Aww. Uh, Bristol, who had dropped three in a row, were home to face the team one rung down from them, Gloucester. The Bears were very happy to get off the schneid to the tune of a 51-26 smackdown, spreading the tries around all day long, including one for Ellis Genge, a player I've reluctantly come to love over the last couple of years. Um, for Gloucester, it was a brace for Lewis Reesarmet and a brace for Jamal Ford-Robinson. Can we say it was a brace of braces? Anyway, uh, that brought us to our official game of the week in the Prem. It was Bath versus Exeter. It was a classic tale of two halves scenario. Uh, Alfie Barbary, he got Bath on the board first, followed by Cam Redpath scoring a try of his own. But Henry Slade single-handedly got the score to a, a very close 12-10 to 10 heading into the break. And it looked like anyone's game at that point. The second half, though. Tide very much turned as the hosts took advantage of a yellow card to Stu Townsend to fire off three quick tries just during that 10-minute stretch. When the dust had settled, it was a, a bit of a blowout. Bath getting six tries and a penalty kick to win 41-24. to All my little smarmy predictions about another terrible Bath season are starting to look a bit dim, gotta admit. Anyway, Saracens versus Northampton was next on the docket, and it could be that my declarations about the Saints being fraudulent were also a tad premature. Have I gotten anything right this year? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll say yeah. Um, but the, the Saints took down the mighty Saracens 12-18 to 18 in a, a bit of a slugfest and climbed up into a tie with them with 25 points apiece on the table. And then finally, on Sunday, Leicester Tigers were hosting lowly Newcastle. I would call them the Dragons of the Premiership, but the Dragons have actually won this season. It was business as usual for the hapless Falcons, Falcons who got completely crushed, 47-3. to By the way, that means the away team in two of our five matchups this week only managed three points, a, a woeful output from a full 20% of the league. Well, next up in the PWR, Friday featured the clear game of the week. It was Bristol Bears versus Gloucester Hartbury. Definitely wasn't the high-scoring affair that I had expected, but... Uh, it was nonetheless another great win for the reigning champs, Sarah Beckett. She opened up the visitor's account very early, but then it was a bit of a desert in terms of points after that until Emma Singh got another try around the 55-minute mark. Bristol had actually won two of the last three games against Gloucester Hartbury, but today, I mean, they laid an egg. They got shut out, zero points to 12. On Saturday, we had a pair of fixtures, starting with the Sail Sharks women versus Exeter Chiefs women. Um, 
no result for this one because the match was postponed due to frozen ground. I wish I had more to tell you about that, but I'm afraid that is literally all I know about it. Um, starting an hour later, however, it was Harlequin's women versus Saracen's women, and the, the home team couldn't find even a single point in this one, getting utterly decimated by a rampaging Saracen side. The visitors getting tries from all the usual uh, usual suspects, Marley Packer and Sophie DeGood, along with a brace from Paige Ferries, a name I hadn't mentioned here before, but I feel like we'll be hearing a lot in the near future. Final store, uh, score at the Stoop, 0-31. to 31. And then on Sunday, Leicester Tigers women faced Loughborough Lightning. Lightning still looking for the first win early in the year. It looked like a one-sided affair at the intermission. The visitors up 19 to nil, but the Tigers fought back, falling just short. It was 12 to 24 by the end. Okay, in the United Rugby Championship, it was round seven. I saw ahead of time five different teams had held the top spot in this league over just six rounds. An astonishing, if somewhat misleading, stat. Uh, one of those teams and league leaders coming in Friday was the Glasgow Warriors traveling to Musgrave Park in Cork to take on Johnny McGinty's new favorite team, Munster. Uh, in the lead-up, Glasgow head coach Franco Smith said, the URC is such a competitive competition. <laughs> That's really good. Yet traveling to Munster remains one of the most difficult challenges in the league. They're defending champions for a reason. They are a team filled with experience and international quality. who know how to perform on the big stage. It will be a huge challenge for us and we know we have to be at our best unquote so smith gave a start to the league's uh, top try scorer hooker johnny matthews who had taken his tally to seven with a brace as a replacement in the 33 to 20 victory over ulster last weekend to be honest there were a few faces on the glasgow squad that were new to me and i i, I wasn't sure what kind of message they were sending with this selection but hey it's a long season right anyway musgrave park was rocking in the frigid air i've said this before and i'll reiterate it now apart from my beloved free jacks here in the states monster supporters they're probably the best fans in all of rugby this game was no exception what an atmosphere unfortunately for glasgow fans the faithful on hand had lots to cheer about early on as the hosts came out absolutely on fire rolling through phases like they were doing a pre-match walkthrough and after just a quarter hour they had already amassed three uh, three tries and it was looking like a potential blowout uh, part of those scoring chances, of course, came after Nathan Macbeth, or as I call him, the Scottish play, er, uh, got an early yellow card, and Munster took full advantage. It was 26 to five at halftime, and while Glasgow showed a lot of fight, out you know, outscoring their host the rest of the way, it still it was never enough. They they just couldn't recover from that early damage. Munster went on to win big, 40 to 29. Saturday morning, we had breakfast over a splendid derby with bulls welcoming sharks to Loftus. And if the visitors thought all was well after the dismantling of the Dragons last week, the hosts were here to give them a reminder of the true pecking order in the URC. It was a systematic beatdown. The angry Warthog getting two of their six tries in a 44-10 victory for the Bulls. Really hard place to play. Anyway, Cardiff versus Scarlets was next on the list. A matchup featuring Wales, World Cups, Scrum Halves, Gareth Davies, and Thomas Williams going head-to-head -head at the Arms Park. Giving his thoughts on his opposite number, Scarlet skipper Davies said... I've played against Thomas loads of times now, and I've been with him in the Welsh camp for many years, so we know each other pretty well. He's a fantastic player. I've always rated him. I think he's one of the best nines around at the moment, unquote. Nice words. A couple of friends of the pod were on hand to sit through the cold for this one. I kept looking for them in the stands, but it was just a wall-to-wall -wall sea of heavy coats and hats, so if they ever got spotted by the camera, I'm afraid I missed it. But guys, hope you enjoyed it. Certainly plenty of drama. Cardiff, they had a dream start. It looked like a pounding before Scarlet's found their mojo got it to 14 to 12 and that's when we saw red for the hosts would that make the difference for the struggling team in red 
14 to 19 was the score at the break. But as the comm said in the second half, you wouldn't think it was Cardiff who were down a player as they seemed to gain ascendancy, dominating possession and territory throughout the third quarter of play. Scarlets, though, to their credit, they, they found a way, finishing off their second win of the season. They've gotten both wins at the expense of Cardiff, 23-29 to 29 in the capital. At 10.05 where I am, uh, it was Lions versus Dragons. The Dragons were so desperate for fit number 10s, they actually called me that morning. But, you know, the commute just kind of made it too difficult. Maybe next week, fellas. Uh, Will Reed had actually been passed to fit to start at number 10 in Johannesburg despite failing in HIA during last weekend's heavy defeat to the Sharks. That felt a little bit sketchy to me, but, you know, needs must and all that, I suppose. Uh, the issues with attendance continued. There must have been, I don't know, a baker's dozen fans on hand. It's truly dire for the Lions these days, but that didn't top the, uh, stop the team from taking care of business. The Dragons actually got within reach and were looking at the last 25 minutes up a player, but the hosts simply pulled away, brushing off their guests 49-24. to 24. Ulster versus Edinburgh saw World Cup winning prop Stephen Kitsoff making his first start for Ulster, a team that had used more players, 46 than any other side in the URC so far this season. While the injured Blair Cor- uh, with the injured Blair Kinghorn missing his final game for Edinburgh before uh, joining Toulouse, we had a debut for Tim Sweel, a name I'd literally never seen before. Uh, to be fair, though, that, that kid looked very confident. Uh, I'm not sure he's all that, but it's nice to see that he thinks so, at least. Quote, the winter weather certainly hasn't evaded Belfast, unquote, said the comms at the start. And it was a close one. Edinburgh just sneaking a single-point lead heading into the break, but... They really showed some potential in the second period. It wasn't lights out scoring by any means, but um, quick side note here, by the way. Have you noticed whenever a kicker misses a conversion, they show the player who scored the try? Like they're hoping to catch somebody, I don't know, pulling a face. Like, but it, it never happens because they're, uh, you know, there's the camera people are so obviously trying it. I, I now kind of want it to happen. Like I want maybe a player will become aware of this little trend. And when they when they cut to him, I just want him to do a full like, oh, my God, face. Uh, anyway, it was appearance 101 for Jamie Ritchie. He was in for the full 80, 80 minutes. And by the way, it's still so weird to see Ali Price in the Edinburgh colors. Uh, when Harry Patterson went off with a yellow for an infringement, even I spotted it looked like Ulster had a real shot to come back. But it was too little too late, and my, oh, gee, Ulster might be really good this year prediction from the beginning of the season also is looking dumber by the minute. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, Edinburgh would win away 24-27. to Note that Ulster got the final try after 80 minutes, and that got them two points. It was pretty big, or it could be as the season goes on. Quote, victories in Belfast are to be savored, and they are rare, unquote, said the comms. Edinburgh winning for the first time in the Kingspan since 2018. Stormers versus Zebra looked like a serious challenge for Zebra and Stormers head coach John Dobson said ahead of the match, it has been a major boost to have the World Cup box plus a few other key players back in the mix again. We were very disappointed with the results on tour, and this is a great opportunity for us to get some momentum going in front of our fans in Stellenbosch. Uh, Zebra, they got a nice score just on halftime, but they were still behind the whole way. It was a bit of a breeze for last year's runners-up. They got themselves a bonus point win, 31-7 to in the City of Oaks. Next up, Connacht versus Leinster. Ireland wing Mac Hansen, he made his first appearance of the season for Connacht among seven changes from the side beaten 53-27 to by the Bulls in Pretoria last weekend. Head coach Pete Wilkins commented, quote, Mac's return is a timely boost and we are well capable of victory. Leinster at the sports ground is one of the marquee games you look forward to every season. 
You can feel the buzz of anticipation among both squad and supporters with a sold-out crowd. It will be a fantastic occasion, unquote. Scott Penny returned to Captain Leinster from the open side flank, while hooker Rowan Kelleher made his 50th appearance for the province. This one was a bitter disappointment as a Connacht fan. They were ahead most of the way and absolutely should have, you know, put a Leinster with 14 changes from last week to bed. But no, no, man, the visitors do what they always seem to do, sneaking out another road victory at the sports ground. It was 22 to 24. I'm, I'm still hurting over that one. Anyway. Benetton versus Ospreys felt like a game both teams would have circled on their calendars. And according to the preview, I saw, quote, both sides will be in buoyant mood with Benetton having won away in Edinburgh last weekend and the Ospreys recording a sizable victory over arch rivals, the Scarlets. South African Marnus Vandemerva on loan from Toyota Cheetahs makes his first start at hooker for the Ospreys, who also give opportunities to youngsters Tristan Davies and Luke Davies at uh, blindside and scrum half, respectively while Welsh international fly half Owen Williams returns from injury on the bench. For Benetton, Malachi Fekatoa and last week's two-try hero Marco Zanin will form a potent center pairing, unquote. So they mentioned a great stat late in this one as Ospreys had pulled ahead. Benetton, they had gone 15-1-3 and at home since 2022. A great run and widely under the radar. Here, once again, they found a way to scrape it out right at the end winning 18 to 13 intraviso. You know, I have been beating this drum for some time now, but I'm going to keep doing it. Benetton are for real. Okay. Quickie, quickie updates. Uh, there was even more action than normal this weekend. It, do you guys recall several weeks back when I mentioned the rugby Europe super cup may or may not have wrapped up? Yeah, well it didn't. <laughs> the next chapter unfolded this weekend and I had not a single spare moment to watch, but I'm happy to give you the lowdown. So Black Lion, they destroyed Iberians 41 to nil. Tel Aviv Heat beat Romanian Wolves 31 to 6. Brussels Devils got past the Bohemia Rugby Warriors 44 to 10. And Delta became the only home team in this competition to lose this weekend, getting spanked 8 to 53 by Lusitanos. This comp is off again next week and will conclude starting the weekend of December 16th. Oh, yeah. Final thing, the rebranded HSBC Sevens Tournament has begun again with, with the men and women both bringing the party to Dubai this weekend. The Aussie women beat the Black Ferns to win the opening stage, while on the men's side, the Blitzbox defeated Argentina to claim top honors. There won't be much of a break either as the action picks right back up this coming weekend in Cape Town. Man, oh man, it just really snuck up on me this year. Well, by that music, you'll know it's time for this week's Diamond in the Ruck Award. And this week, the award goes to Gareth Davies. Mr. Mr. Davies, I don't know if I should call you Davies or Davis, but either way... I'm calling you this week's Diamond in the Ruck. Your two tries led the way to a much-needed victory at the Arms Park. <laughs> I honestly struggled to find any other stats to sort of pad your resume for this one, so I'll just go with your 100% tackle rate. Yeah. Uh, some people will say, of course, it's the red card that got Scarlet's the victory this week, but I'm going to say it was you, Gareth Davies. Congratulations to you, for you are this week's Diamond in the Ruck. Well done, sir. Well, 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 well. The majority of these competitions are, of course, going on hiatus this weekend as our eyes turn to Europe, where the real fun begins once again. So 
on Friday, the 8th. It all kicks off in the Heineken Cup. I'm sorry, I refuse to call it the Investec Cup because, you know, I'm not a serial killer. Anyway, we'll begin, of course, with Glasgow hosting Northampton, followed by a clash of the teams I support in the URC in the top 14. Connacht hosting the Border Beagles on Saturday. Toulon take on Exeter, Bath face Ulster. Toulouse will utterly crush, uh, I mean, uh, host Cardiff. Uh, the Saracens will make the long trip down to Loftus to face the Bulls. What a game that should be. Munster, they're home for Bayonne. And then finally on Saturday, Bristol Bears welcome Lyon to Ashton Gate. On Sunday, we'll have Sale versus Stade Francais, a massive grudge match between La Rochelle and Leinster. Leicester Tigers will host the Stormers. And last but hardly least, Rasting 92 welcome Harlequins to Paris. Ooh, hold on a minute. I have to mop up a whole bunch of drool. Uh, over in the Challenge Cup, there, there's only one fixture on Friday. It'll be Claremont hosting Edinburgh. On Saturday, we'll start with Black Lion taking on Gloucester. Zebre facing the Cheetahs. The Sharks are home for Poe. Cast Hope uh, will host the Scarlets. Ospreys welcome Benetton to Swansea. Dragons will play Oyonna. Perpignan host the Lions. And last, we'll have lowly Newcastle facing Montpellier. Over in the PWR, all the action will be on Saturday with the Champs facing Sale, Loughborough versus Bristol, Harlequins home for Exeter, and the Trailfinders hosting the Leicester Tigers women. What a weekend! <laughs> Well, my friends, that does it for another week. I simply could not be more excited for the European Cups to start. No, the format isn't perfect, and especially in the Coors Light Cup, there's bound to be some no-shows, but the top-tier action is so great, and the, the fact that we get matchups we rarely, if ever, see otherwise, I mean, how good, right? I think I need a nap. Anyway, to all of you across the globe, cheers. Talk to you soon. And of course... Be well. It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, neat. <laughs> <laughs>